it just wouldn't be Christmas if we didn't sing fill in the blank. I bet all of us have a song in mind. A a, a Christmas carol, a familiar Christmas song that it just wouldn't seem like a Christmas season if we didn't at least sing it or hear it once. 1,200 years ago, Christians also had songs that they sang every year as they celebrated the birth of Jesus or prepared for that celebration. In about the 8th century, certain songs became widely used among Christians in congregations or religious communities when they would gather for their evening services, their vespers, the last seven days of Advent. In those last seven days before Christmas, they would sing certain songs or actually a a, a refrain. They, They call them antiphons. There were seven of them, each of them beginning with the word O and then using a different name or title for Jesus that we find in the book of Isaiah. Like, O come, root of Jesse. O come, key of David. O come, dayspring from on high. By about the 12th century, those seven antiphons, those seven refrains, were gathered into a single hymn, and it's one that millions of Christians still sing today. It's the one we just sang. O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the full hymn, the entire hymn, there are seven stanzas, but our hymnal only includes four of them. So during these four Sundays of Advent, each week we are going to be looking at a different stanza of that familiar Christmas or Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. These different titles or or names of our Savior Jesus that they remind us of and where they're drawn from, from the book of Isaiah. So as we begin our Advent season, we start, of course, with stanza one, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, as our focus. We find the verse that that's drawn from in the book of Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. When we hear those words, and I imagine for most of us they're pretty familiar, we we probably first of all think of them as comforting words, words that encourage us, give us a reason to rejoice. But that wasn't true of the first person who heard those words, the person that Isaiah originally spoke them to. He was a man by the name of Ahaz. Ahaz was the king of Judah at that time, and He ranks among the worst of the kings of Judah, and that's saying something. For instance, one of the things that Ahaz did during his reign over Judah was put locks on the doors of the temple, locked it up so God's people could not go there to worship him. That's the kind of king Ahaz was. Well, when Isaiah spoke the words, that we just heard, the words that the first stanza of our hymn was based on, Judah was facing a huge threat. 
nations had joined together, had a combined army that were marching toward Jerusalem. They were getting ready to lay siege to that city. They would cut it off, starve the people out, come in, conquer it, level it, and and destroy it, and take the people captive. As that army was marching closer and closer to Jerusalem, King Ahaz decided he'd better go inspect Jerusalem's vulnerable water supply. You see, Jerusalem does not have its own supply of fresh water within the city. So he decided to go outside the city walls and, and take a look and inspect their water supply because that would be crucial if they were going to survive a siege. While he was out there inspecting that, he ran into somebody, the prophet Isaiah. But it was not a coincidence that Isaiah happened to be there. God sent Isaiah there to deliver a special message to King Ahaz. Surprisingly, the message that God sent Isaiah to share with this wicked, unbelieving king was a message of comfort and hope. Isaiah told Ahaz, these armies that are marching toward Jerusalem, they're not going to succeed. They will not destroy the city. They will not conquer Judah. And then God directed Isaiah to say something else to Ahaz. Because Ahaz was such an unbelieving person, he told Ahaz, ask God for a sign that will confirm what I just told you is true. God wants you to do this. Anything. Ask for anything. So Ahaz could have asked Isaiah to call on God to do something like um, make it start snowing in the middle of summer in the Middle East. That would be something. Or turn the sky purple instantly. And that would confirm what he told them was true and was from God. But Ahaz refused. He snubbed Isaiah. Basically shook his fist in God's face and said, nope, Not going to do it. And that's when Isaiah spoke the words of our verse this morning. Isaiah said to King Ahaz, Okay, you won't ask God for a sign. Okay, God is going to give you a sign. Here's the sign he's going to give you. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. I mean, that's more amazing than snow falling in summer or a sky turning purple. Virgins don't get pregnant. I mean, everybody knows it takes a mom and a dad to make a baby. But Isaiah said, a young unmarried woman who has never been with a man is going to conceive. She's going to become pregnant. She will give birth to a son What that was telling Ahaz was this. The God who who just gave you that comforting promise is powerful. There's nothing he can't do. He could cause a, a virgin to become pregnant and give birth to a child. That power that this sign was telling Ahaz was not, however, something that should have comforted him. It should have sent shivers down his spine Because what Isaiah said next was this. He said, judgment is coming. 
No, the armies that are marching toward Jerusalem right now, they will not succeed. But believe me, God is coming down to judge you because of your unbelief and your people because of their rejection. Ultimately, and it happened about a hundred years later, Jerusalem would be leveled to the ground. The people of Judah would be conquered and captured. Ahaz's dynasty would be completely cut off. The sign of the virgin giving birth to a child was to be for Ahaz a sobering reminder and warning of coming judgment. And really, that should be the same thing for us. No, we don't normally look at that verse or sing this hymn thinking of it telling us God's judgment is coming, but it really is. When we think of this sign, this promise of the virgin birth of our Savior, it tells us God is powerful. He's all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. What he says will happen will happen. His will is always accomplished. And what he tells us this morning is this. He will come to judge. To judge all, the living, all of the dead. There will be no escape on that day of judgment. That ought to be a sobering warning for all of us to do what Jesus encouraged us to do in the gospel this morning. Be watchful. Be alert. Be ready. Repent. That's what makes us ready. Don't get complacent in your faith. Don't allow yourself to get so caught up in your sins that you're not ready for that day. But instead, be ready at all times by being repentant at all times. Turn to your Lord, the powerful God who is coming again. Turn to him and confess your sins. Turn to him and receive his forgiveness and be ready. That sign, that sign of the, the virgin becoming pregnant and giving birth was for Ahab and his, or Ahaz and his people a sobering warning of judgment. And it serves us in the same way. But that's not all it is. Actually, it's so much more than that. This sign that God gave to Ahaz 2,700 years ago serves God's people today as a sign of comfort and hope and strength. We didn't just get done singing, don't come, don't come, Emmanuel. We're not ready. We sang, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel. Rejoice. So why is that sign that serves as both a sobering warning of coming judgment in power, why is that also a sign of comfort and hope? Well, the answer comes from the name of Jesus that this verse tells us and that that stanza of the hymn sings about. Emmanuel. And by the way, in case you're a little confused, Emmanuel is how we sing it. It's how it's spelled here on our altar cloth. In our translation of the Bible, it's spelled with an I. Emmanuel. Same word. Why that word, that name of Jesus, gives us comfort and hope lies in what it means. It's a Hebrew word. Emmanuel comes from two parts. 
the Imanu, Emanu part of Emmanuel, is a Hebrew word that means with us. The L ending of that word is a Hebrew word for God. It's a shortened form of, of the name Elohim in the Old Testament. Uh, you see that L ending in a lot of names in the Bible, in the Old Testament, like Daniel, Ezekiel, Samuel. In names like that, the L ending says something about that person's relationship to God. But in the case of this prophecy, it tells us that child didn't just have a relationship with God. The virgin's son would be God. God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Just, just think about why that is such a comforting and, and, and encouraging name for our Lord. God with us. That tells us, number one, we're not alone. In all of the difficulties and trials and challenges and uncertainties of this world, we're not alone. We don't have a God who is unaware, aloof, uncaring. He came down to be with us. The, the eternal God, the Son, who, who, who is, inhabits a glorious throne, came to, to occupy a, a humble manger filled with hay. And He's still with us. He said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We're not alone. Emmanuel, God, is with us. But the offspring of the virgin, Emmanuel, didn't just come to be our companion. He didn't just come to keep us company. He came to help us. God with us came to, to share our infirmities. He came to take care of our needs. He came to be our, our mediator and our advocate, guaranteeing our prayers are listened to, they're heard, and they are answered, every one of them, answered in the way that is going to serve us best. Jesus, our Emmanuel, is also our great physician. He helps and he heals and he comforts and he guides and he directs and he protects. God is with us. But there's an even greater reason why that name gives us comfort and hope and joy. You see, Emmanuel, God with us, came to bear our sins in his body, all of them, the guilt and the shame of every last sin, every sinful thought, action, word that we have spoken, thought, or done, every sin of the entire world he bore in his body to the cross. And there he paid for them with his very blood, with his very life. The God who will come again to judge all is the God who came once to save us. Emmanuel. No wonder God's people have been singing for over a thousand years, O come, O come, Emmanuel. And we sing that too. We sing and we pray. O come, Emmanuel. Come into our hearts and give us comfort and hope and joy. 
Oh, come, Emmanuel, come into our lives and lead and guide and guard and direct us. Oh, come, Emmanuel, come again to judge. Come quickly. We are eager for it. We are ready for that day. Maybe the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, isn't the Christmas song that you just have to sing and hear or it wouldn't be Christmas. But the one this hymn is about, Emmanuel, is the one we just have to have in our hearts and in our lives or there would be no reason to have hope. There would be nothing to celebrate. There would be nothing to sing about. Oh, come, Emmanuel. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.